It's about um, getting the right balance between providing a localized experience that is going to be of a good enough quality for our customers. Localization isn't just taking a session or some slides and translating it, it's making sure that it is truly local for the customers that are coming in from a different region. Welcome to Virtually Live, the podcast. Every week, we'll get into the latest and greatest in marketing and specifically event marketing, audience engagement, and brand experience. To guide us through that, we've invited event professionals and marketing leaders from various industries. In this week's episode, join Sophie Meller, EMEA Events Program Manager at Amazon Web Services, as she talks to Kaltura's Product Marketing Manager, Amit Eshel, about tailoring global content to local audiences and what kind of engagement that can create. Let's go. Hey everyone and welcome to CTA, Coffee and Takeaways. My name is Amit Eshel and I'm a Product Marketing Manager here at Kaltura and I'm joining to you virtually live today from our studio in Tel Aviv, Israel. With me today, Sophie Miller, EMEA Events Program Manager at AWS. Sophie, where are you joining us virtually live from? Hey Amit, I'm joining you guys virtually live from Madrid in Spain. Amazing. Um, so tell us, as an event program manager at uh, AWS, you've been working on the uh, EMEA Summit and the EMEA Innovate program, right? So can you tell us a little about how these two have been involved in the past two years? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'd probably like to focus a little bit more here on the EMEA Summit online. Um, you're right, we also work on our Innovate program as well. Um, but Innovate existed pre-pandemic um, and so, you know, didn't necessarily change that much once the, uh, the pandemic hit. Um, the difference with the summit program is that actually pre-pandemic, it was entirely um, physical events. We didn't have an online version at all. Um, and of course, when, when COVID hit, um, all of our poor area team event managers had to cancel um, their events and the um, EMEA virtual events team got handed the, the baton with, um, with the summits and we, we produced the summit online. Um, and I think it's actually really interesting to see just, so we've hosted now three in the past, um, in the past three years. We did one in 2020, 2021 and 2022. Um, and each event has been slightly different because of course the one in 2020 was uh, a panic reaction, right? To the pandemic, we need to cancel all yeah. these events and we're going to take it online. It was, it worked really well. Um, customers loved it, I guess. Well, I don't know if it was because they had nothing else to do, but you know, people were really thrilled that we had taken it online and given them the opportunity to attend, even though um, that wasn't in person. We were super, super excited about it coming into 2021 because we saw these great results from 2020. But I think 2021 hit around the time of people starting to get that fatigue from virtual events and webinars. So we did an even bigger and better event, but actually kind of saw that the engagement wasn't quite where we were expecting it to be based on 2020. And then 2022 has been interesting again because we are back to in-person events. So this year we ran um, the majority of our in-person summits again, but also decided to to run the summit online um, as well. So it was kind of a test year to see what happened if customers were still interested in, in the virtual event, even though we were going back to physical as well. That's so interesting because, you know, um, how do you keep people engaged when they have in the back of their mind that they, they can always uh, go to an in-person event? I mean, and how does that uh, affect the content, the virtual content, I mean? Yeah, I think it's about understanding your audience, right? And I think we saw this um, with our results from the 2022 program 
that an astonishingly large percentage of our summit online attendees in 2022 didn't attend a physical summit. And so we know that there are customers that are more in-person event inclined and customers that are more kind of, um, sorry, virtual event inclined. So there's a real kind of delineation between the two. Um, and so this year we, we knew that we needed to, to do something a bit different. We needed to make the summit online different to what it had been in the past because we knew we were competing. Well, maybe competing isn't the right word, but you know, we knew we had to make both events work alongside each other. Um, so we looked at the content and we actually took a lot of our content from, um, the in-person events this year, which was a challenge in itself. You know, it's the first time we've ever done it, uh, recording live at these events and then kind of repurposing that content, um, for the summit online. Um, it was, I'd definitely do it again. Um, we had a lot of learnings. I think particularly we, we captured a lot of the different keynote elements from across, you know, EMEA has a ton of different, um, countries and, um, we hosted the summits across all different cities. And so we took pieces of, uh, the keynotes from different cities and that actually created a, a really cool kind of all inclusive if you like uh, keynote that we were able to then put onto our summer online platform so I think this year has really informed um, you know a bit more about our customers and what they're looking for um, and you know with content we're always looking to, to try and step it up a, a notch and, and give our customers something new. Interesting because it's a process of learning I mean and every year you can see totally different planning and preparations. Um, <clears throat> how does localization play a role um, in creating effective content for original audience? Because, I mean, what's the best way to come up with a, a format or a workflow that works for everyone? Because we're talking about localization, but we're still talking about a lot of people. And I'll let you answer just. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah, localization is a really tricky one. And I think we we end up making quite a lot of sacrifices to get it right. Um, both kind of, I mean, ultimately for our customers, right? Um, our customers are our number one, but um, also for internal stakeholders as well. We work with a lot of people internally um, that help the, the localization engine keep going. And, you know, as I mentioned just before in EMEA, so many different countries, so many different cultures, languages, and it's really important for us to, to get it right and to to ensure that we're giving the coverage that EMEA deserves. Of course, it's impossible. We'd love to do um, everything in every language across the board. I've always said that from when I first started working in events. So I was like, my goal one day will be to do a fully localized event from start to finish that everything you can get in English, you can also get in Spanish, French, Italian, German. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of blockers in the way for that. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's about um, getting the right balance between providing a localized experience that is going to be of a good enough quality for our customers because we've also seen, um, you know, it's, it's hard to get it right. Localization isn't just taking a session or some slides and translating it. It's making sure that it is truly local for the customers that are coming in from a different region. Um, and so we've we've definitely experimented over the years. I think we we are getting better at understanding, you know, what our customers are, are looking for. Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, recording some of this content from the in-person summits in 2020 was really interesting because we were able to give 
our customers an experience had they, you know, been at the summit in person themselves, even though they they weren't for whatever reason. Um, but I think definitely we will continue to try and um, and provide sessions in our key languages. We've done I think up into about up until about nine across one event, you know, including Hebrew, uh, Russian, Turkish, Polish. We've we've tried and tested quite a lot, um, and we definitely haven't found the formula yet. But I, you know, our customer data, our CSATs, um, all of that kind of post-event um, data really helps us try and continue to, to get it right. Wow, that's a very interesting process. Um, just before we wrap up, it's time for a myth-busting. Uh, so tell us about the time you uncovered uh, the truth about a marketing or event myth. This is an interesting one. Um, and, you know, I think there's there's a lot, right? Especially when, if you come from a different background or you haven't worked in events before, um, I think there's a lot that you can kind of take for granted. You know, I, I had a marketing background, but I didn't have an event background. Um, and I think, well, I certainly very quickly learned um, what was important, maybe what was not so important. Um, and I think, one thing, so when I first started working in virtual events, I was always solely um, dedicated to content. That was kind of my bag. Um, and I would, um, you know, help organize the content for all of our large scale um, Panamere virtual events. Um, and we'd have a lot of, you know, with our content leads and, you know, they all they care about is the content, the actual content of the presentation, right? And getting the right speaker and making sure that the content is compelling for customers. But actually, when it comes down to it, um, when you're the one that has to manage the timing, the scheduling. And this is the, this goes the same for online, right? It's not just in person because you still have to have a kind of to the letter um, agenda and schedule. And, you know, we've worked with, with Kaltura and we've seen how last minute scheduling changes can, can be a little bit tricky because it's all in the back end and you need to make sure that, um, that everything is going to tick along the same way that it would uh, on stage in, in person. So I think um, it was one thing I learned quite quickly. I don't know if you would call it a myth or not, but it was certainly something that I didn't realize was kind of going to be as important still at online events that that timing and that scheduling um, really matters. And I can't tell you the amount of times I would brief speakers and I would say, then they'd ask me, is it really 30 minutes? Like, can it be 35? Can it be 40? And I'm like, no, it's 30. Your recording has to be 30 minutes. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, very relatable. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sophie, for joining us today. This gave us a lot of food and coffee for thought. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Sophie Meller and Amit Eschel for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in. To give you a little taste of what's coming next week, here's seven questions and events with Amit Bivas, VP B2B Marketing at Monday.com. Welcome to seven questions in events. Seven questions in events with industry experts, Amit Bivas. Let's go. What's the one thing you want your attendees to get out of your events? Value. What's your favorite way to engage with your audience? Talk with them. <laughs> Who would your dream keynote speaker be? No restrictions. Barack Obama. Ooh. Which trend in virtual events are you most looking forward to? Um, maybe that's uh, talking about the future, but the ability to kind of create virtually that experience that we have in in-person events. Uh, maybe VR? Who knows? Metaverse. Metaverse. Um, what's an event marketing pitfall people should watch out for? Um, 
making sure that you have a solid plan pre, during, and post event. Many times, you know, us marketers, we go into an event and say, yeah, you know, things will happen. You need to have a solid plan pre, during, and post. That's a, usually a pitfall that many times I see marketer falls into. Smart tip. What's your go-to source for personal development info in terms of events and marketing? Peers, always peers, having a peer network and uh, being able to liaise with your, um, you know, with people of, uh, you know, at the same level with other companies. That's the best way to get information. Shout out another event professional. You. If, uh, if you if you guys don't know it, uh, Tal used to uh, Tal and I used to work together in uh, um, one of my previous roles, and Tal ran events there. Um, so definitely, Tal, I've learned so much from you. You make me blush. <laughs>